Girl said you hallelujah. Girl said you hallelujah. Girl said you hallelujah. Cause uptown funk don't give it to you. Cause uptown funk don't give it to you. Cause uptown funk don't give it to you. Saturday night and we in the spot. Don't believe me, just watch. Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, week, what is it, seven? Week seven, yes, sir. Week seven of it's the NFL amazing. season. It's crazy, man. It's flying by. Uh, we've got Dave Softy Mahler, myself, Brian M. Hauser, at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. Dave's at Softy KJR. Is that still right? Yes, sir. Thanks for the plug, man. I appreciate that. And by the way, how do I get that cool background that you have behind you? Because all I have is this stupid lamp and a bunch of pictures and a map of like where my wife and I have been around the world. How do I get that cool background, dude? I, I can hook you up. You, you know, you get on a little bit early. We can uh, we can work through it with you. It's not too hard. I want a really cool backdrop because I want to be cool like Brian. And nobody's cool like Hawk Blogger, man. Come on, set me up. I man. think that there are uh, people that would disagree with that statement. <laughs> most notably my family. But uh, man, it's good to see you, dude. Um, it's it's good to be five and one. How are you, how are you feeling about uh, where things are right now? Well, I'm uh, I'm surprised that we're five and one. I mean, I don't think anybody back in July or August would have thought that the Seahawks would be five and one after six games. You know, so I don't think there's really any room for a lot of complaining right now about this football team. And I, I think just the really cool thing for me, and maybe I'm being a a bit of a homer here. I mean, uh, you're the objective one around here, so you can tell me if I'm being too much of a fan here, but I don't think this team has even played remotely their best football, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You're talking about a football team that's 20th in total defense. They're in the twenties against the pass. They got no pass rush whatsoever so far from guys like Clowney and Ziggy on. So they're just getting Jaron Reed, obviously back for the Raven game on Sunday. So there's a part of me that thinks, man, we're five and one. The NFL is wide open. You saw Mahomes go down last night with the injury, which puts Russell Wilson right there, I think, in the lead for the MVP race in the NFL with obviously a long way to go. But I think if you're a Seahawks fan right now, you should be feeling positively giddy about where this football team is at. I mean, you and I talked last week about the offensive line against uh, who the hell did they play last week? The Browns. <laughs> Browns. <laughs> My focus is all on the Ravens now and the Oregon Husky game on Saturday. Uh, sure it is, dude. But uh, you and I talked last week about facing Miles Garrett and that Browns front seven without Dwayne Brown, without DJ Fluker, and how both of us kind of thought, hey, let's just kind of dial down the panic a little bit here because George Fant is as ready to play as he's been since he's been here. You thought Jamarco Jones was an even better answer at right guard than DJ Fluker was. And I think they kind of showed that on on Sunday. So I think the depth of this offensive line is maybe a little bit better than, than people thought. Thank God nobody got hurt on the offensive line against the Browns on Sunday. But I think if you're a Hawk fan, you should be just absolutely over the moon thrilled with where this football team is at right now. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> and and I think that if you uh, – uh, sorry, one second here got a error on right. uh, where we're where we're broadcasting on youtube i gotta fix that <laughs> you want to start over again we can start over again uh hold on uh, let's see if i can fix it real time okay uh there we go let's fix that so what we just did was that live on twitter and youtube yes you want to take that down uh i may it's it's i'm not too worried about it you know it's okay. good for people to hear but uh, yeah. we are now officially live on the right. Yeah. <laughs> got one little setting that wasn't right, and uh, we're not good. But hey, 
Welcome back again, Dave. Week seven of the NFL season. And uh, we we're just talking about uh, where the Seahawks are relative to expectations. And you, you had just said, for folks that are uh, joining the, the new show here, nobody would have predicted them being five and one um, back before the season started. And also that, that maybe the offensive line's in better shape depth-wise than people realize. And yeah, funny thing is, so you'll you probably won't be shocked to find out i did have the seahawks at five and one at this point in the season uh i had them losing to the browns though um yep. not to the saints and yep. uh i did not expect it to roll like this this is not the five and one that i had in mind i think yeah defense the pass rush especially has been significantly worse than yep. i thought the defense last year was middle of the road, middle of the pack in the NFL. I thought they could be a little bit better than that, but I thought that was kind of their floor. I yeah. think there was a lot of reason to think this defense would be worse than it was last year. Yeah. Especially after they got clowny. And they've been worse. They just have been. I mean, in some ways they've been better. They limited more explosive plays than they did last year. But – I don't think the linebackers are playing as well as anyone would have hoped. The defensive line certainly has not been playing wonderfully. And the secondary, I think Bradley McDougal's one of the quiet stories of the season. That guy was a pro bowl level safety last year. I think he's been barely starter quality so far. Yeah. There's a lot of focus on Tedrick Thompson and those guys, but yeah. I just think the safety position has been a major hole. And now this week, Bradley McDougal hasn't practiced this week. Oh. Hill has not practiced this week. And we had Jim Nagy uh, from the Senior Bowl, former Seahawks scout on our show this Wednesday, mm -hmm. talking about Marquise Blair, that he is just convinced that this guy is, from the first tape he saw him, is, is the quintessential Seahawks safety and is just bound to find the field eventually. So this would be an interesting week to see Marquise Blair getting a chance against a guy like Mar Jackson. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I think uh, first of all, I'm I, I'm I'm not shocked that you had him at five and one. I guess I'm shocked that you didn't have him at six and zero oh, for God's sakes after six <laughs> games. But I am surprised to see them at five and one. Uh, I don't think there's many teams in the NFL that can even expect to be five and one after six games. I mean, the Patriots would be one of them, but there's not many teams that can even think about going five and one after six games. I mean, you know, to be on pace for an 11, 12 win season, if not even more, you know, a 13 win season at this point for the Seahawks, I think is surpassing most people, most people's expectations, including my own. And I think, I think we talked about this over the off season, Brian, that, we thought that this would be a football team that would be led by their offense, but maybe not as much as they're being led by their offense. I mean, the reason why I think Russell Wilson's the MVP of the NFL is because I think if you take Russell Wilson off this football team, I think they're a four or five win team right now without, without Russell Wilson. I mean, Dick and I had this conversation on the air last week, you know, take McCaffrey off the Panthers, take Mahomes off Kansas city, take Russell Wilson off the Seahawks and take the Sean Watson off the Texans, which team is in worse shape without those players? And uh, most people said McCaffrey in Carolina, uh, although Kyle Allen actually has played pretty well in, uh, in place of Cam Newton. But I think right there behind them are the Seahawks. I mean, they don't have any real dominant game breakers right now at wide receiver consistently, any real dominant game breakers at, at running back consistently, any dominant game breakers on defense. So 
I just think Russell Wilson is the engine that makes that whole thing go right now, man. I gotta, I gotta jump in. You're saying that people in general thought that Christian McCaffrey being gone would hurt that team more than Russell Wilson being gone would hurt. Yes. Yes. I disagree with that, but I'm just telling you what they, what they voted for. They thought McCaffrey would be more impactful than losing Russell Wilson. I mean, Look, I mean, again, like I said, Kyle Allen actually has had a passer rating over 100 since he started filling in for Cam Newton. So I think Carolina actually has been okay. And I would never, ever, ever compare the impact of a running back. I don't care if he's a Swiss Army knife the way McCaffrey is to the impact of a quarterback. So I think Russell Wilson right now is the clear-cut MVP in the National Football League. I mean, look, I don't want to take away credit from Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and Chris Carson. Chris Carson right now is number five in the NFL in rushing. All of a sudden you wake up and the kid's in the top five despite having a slower start. So I think to be able to overcome what they're doing on defense, I mean, look right now, the Seahawks are eighth worst in yards per play in the national football league. Their defense is in the twenties. Their past defense has been for the most part, got off of the entire year. You talk about their safety play. You saw that was a problem against the Browns on Sunday, obviously early McDougal and Tedrick Thompson are rated, you know, in the forties and seventies by pro football focus right now. So we had this conversation last week too, out of all the ex Seahawks that are out there, you know, after watching, Guys like Justin Coleman play on on Monday night, uh, J.D. McKissick on Monday, Jimmy Graham on Monday for the Packers, Earl Thomas coming back to town, Sherman for the Niners. Which ex-Seahawk that's out there right now, if you could bring back right now to play for this football team, would you bring back? And I said Earl Thomas because of their issues at safety. Yeah, I think that's that has to be it. I mean, obviously – setting aside any of the personality issues and if you could just talk about player need like and player value I think that's a clear one but you know honestly you you could make a case for Golden Tate you could make a case for Richard Sherman um you know so (laughs) I don't want to look too far ahead but I was thinking about this morning what it's going to be like when the 49ers play the Seahawks and no matter what happens in that game Richard Sherman is going to say something after that game that is going to piss people off. If they win, he's going to say something just awful about Russell Wilson, probably. And if they lose, he's probably going to say something awful about them. I mean, he's just that now that they're good, that's going to be really, (laughs) really bitter uh, when we get to that game. But let's focus on the Ravens now for a second. You know what? Can I, can I jump in there for a quick second on that? on the whole Sherman thing, because you can't you can't bring that up and then just move on. To the yeah, ball. No, let's do it. Talk about okay. it. I mean, come on, man. I, I know we have a you know a few weeks to go until that big Monday night game down there. And can, can, uh, can we swear on this thing? Can we use a little just a little bit of profanity? Do you, do you man? That's all right. I know your kid watches this thing, and we have. And so, if there's any kids watching, parents with their kids, mute this for the next maybe five seconds. Uh, fuck Richard Sherman. Okay, honestly. I, I, I mean, right now, you know why? Because the guy plays for the Niners, dude. Bottom freaking line. All these people, including you, by the way, I think uh-huh. at times, they're telling me, I hope he does well in San Francisco. I hope he falls flat on his freaking face in San Francisco. He's a member of the damn enemy. And Richard Sherman is doing exactly in San Francisco what other fan base hated him for when he was here in Seattle. He's running his mouth. This is the epitome of what we talked about when Richard Sherman played here. It's like Dennis Rodman. It's like Bill Lambeer. They drive you nuts when they play for somebody else, but when they play for you, you freaking love them. Niner fans thought this guy was a D-bag when he played in Seattle, Mm -hmm. and now they love the guy because he plays for them, okay? So I'm not surprised by this, but Richard Sherman was on the podium the other day. Now, for two consecutive weeks, and has said, hey, if you thought we were going to suck, 
then stick with your word. If you thought we were going to be terrible, then stick with your word. I would also like Richard Sherman to follow his own advice because Richard Sherman said the Seahawks had lost their way. You remember that when he took off, he said the Seahawks have lost their way. They don't know what they're doing anymore. And here they are at five and one and absolutely heading, I think, in the right direction with a nice young core of players. So if Richard Sherman wants all the Niner haters out there, to stick with their word about what they said about San Francisco. I would like Richard Sherman to stick with his word about what he said about the Seahawks. I love it. I love it. I I don't have a problem with any of that. I, I, other than I don't hope that he falls on his face. I I, I'm a, I'm a fan, but how can you not? He plays it for the enemy in your division Monday night down there in November in Santa Clara. Come on, man. They've, you know, other players being bad does not make your team good. I care about the Seahawks being good. So, <laughs> oh my God! Other players bad. Does okay. Let me ask you a question. If I told you right now Lamar Jackson was going to play miserably on Sunday, would you take that? Yeah. Okay. Well, then what's the difference? Well, in general, if I had choice between the Seahawks being the reason he's playing badly and and him just laying an egg, well, sure. There's no sure. there's no value in in playing teams that suck or playing players that suck and just being lucky. You're not going to you're not going to win anything meaningful if you're not beating good teams. So you're telling me that you would have rather have seen Big Ben finish that Steeler game. I, I wouldn't have cared. I think the Seahawks would have won that yeah. game either way. Yeah, no, I no, I agree with that too, but I I look, I just think I don't think the Seahawks are that team that they're not an up and coming football team that needs to test themselves against the best teams in the NFL. Look, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying that, you know, iron sharpens iron. That that's yeah. your whole point. Yeah, I totally understand that, but I just think for, for a guy like Richard Sherman and really for anybody in San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo, Dante Pettis, who I love from his time uh, with the Huskies, uh, Defo- you know, all those guys, Armstead, I hope they stink down there because they're in the Seahawks division. I love what's happening right now with the Rams. I love the fact that the Rams are falling apart. I hope Jalen Ramsey is a complete bust in L.A. with the Rams, okay? Again, like you I'm said. With you, right- I'm with you on everyone but guys that were part of the championship team for yeah. the Seahawks. Yeah. I, I just feel those, those guys are in a different class for me. I will always cheer for them. I get that. Of course. I get so. that. Of course, I, I love watching Jerry Goff look like Jerry Goff. I mean, I love that. So, you know, that, that's the only difference there for me. But, I mean, look, I, I think uh, you, you, we're talking about this team. We're talking about how they're different um, than they have in the past. You're saying that Richard said they were on the wrong path. I think that's a great call-out because, look, I don't know that Pete Carroll's getting enough credit for what he did two years ago when he fired everybody in the building, right? Yeah. He yeah. fired Daryl Bevel. He fired Tom Cable. He fired – I mean, I wish he would have fired Brian Schneider as well and got a new special yeah. coach. But now you look at it, Dave, and the Seahawks, since since week two of this season, since week two, if you that first week was kind of an outlier in how they played against the Bengals. They haven't scored under 27 points. They are the number two offense in terms of yards, the number three in scoring. Um, and if you look, you know – Advanced stats like Football Outsiders, DVOA. This yep. is the number one pass offense in the NFL. Number <clears> one. <throat> so, you know, I think I think that you got to give – and people said, look, Pete Carroll came in. He talked about wanting to never rely on one player and never have the quarterback be the focal point of everything. He didn't – he wanted a, a point guard at quarterback and wanted to build around them because, God forbid, anything happened to that player. Well, 
I think you have to give him credit for doing something differently than is his core philosophy. He's, he's yeah. taking advantage of the personnel he's got. Right. And I think you're seeing this team um, benefit from it. I think there's no doubt to me that Russell Wilson is the, is the top player in the NFL this year. Yeah. If you look at past years, you can say, look, this is a crappy defense, but look how many times Tom Brady has taken a defense ranked 20th or worst or worse in points or yards per game happened like four times that he's gone to the super bowl right you look at the falcons a few years back you know they were the number one offense and they had a number 25 ranked defense and they went to the super bowl and should have won so i think there is a path there that the the defense doesn't have to be great the offense has to be special yeah for sure and and i saw your uh your stat you pointed out the other day about how they flipped the script on that, that now they're more well-built to handle their defense, giving up, you know, 20 plus points. I'm not sure what the exact number was that you had, but what was that? You just gave us a number, a stat on the consecutive game scoring 20 points or more that goes back to when again, what was the date you had there? Week two. Okay. So I'm going back to week 11 of last year. You know, the Seahawks record is in their past 13 games. Hit me. They're 11 and two in their past 13 games. That's the regular season, obviously, 11-3 and if you include the Cowboy game. So they had that game against the Rams in L.A. They lost 36-31, to and they finished the regular season 6-1, and and now they're 5-1. and They're 11-2 and in their past 13 regular season games, and they're scoring at will. I mean, their offense has been great for the most part in every single game they've played. So I love this, and I love the fact that all of a sudden now Pete Carroll has morphed into a guy who doesn't have to have the great secondary, doesn't have to have the great defense, doesn't have to have the great defensive line like he had with that depth in 2013. It really is amazing. And to me, it's very irritating at the same time. That's why when I have guys like Mike Florio on the radio show, we talk about Pete Carroll and John Schneider have never won the coach of the year, never won the executive of the year in the NFL. And the job that they're doing should be commended. I mean, to lose all the guys they lost last year from the LOB, and then still make the postseason, right? To lose Marshawn Lynch and then spend basically a year and a half retooling it, and then boom, three years later, you're number one in the NFL in rushing offense. I mean, look, the biggest reason why they've never won Coach of the Year, Executive of the Year, is because they've never sucked. They've never been two and fourteen. They never had to you know come back from the depths of the NFL. But the transformation of this coaching staff to go from a defensive-minded football team, a defensive-dominated football team, to an offensive-dominated football team who can handle a defense that is one of, I think, the weaker third defenses right now in the National Football League, to be able to handle that and still be 5-1 and is ridiculous. Look, you love Pete Carroll. I love Pete Carroll. Everybody watching this podcast right now loves Pete Carroll. He's not getting enough damn credit for what he's done with his staff and his personnel and what he's done with the maturation of Russell Wilson and the identity of this football team. We used to think that Pete Carroll was going to always win running the ball with great defense. Well, not the case. As you said, they're the best passing team in football right now as far as efficiency, and Pete Carroll deserves some goddamn credit for that, and I'm tired of him not getting it. Well, you know, the the amazing thing about that, Dave, is the people that give him the least amount of credit are the people that cheer for this team. Well, that's stupid. I mean, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's at least the folks that are on active on Twitter, which is a yeah. special. special <laughs> you right? spend way too much time on Twitter. I keep it's a great you. place to find other Seahawks fans. Uh, but yeah. at the same time, I mean, a lot of people, you know, are really focused on how they should be playing and, yeah. and they're focused on the fact that they should be re- passing even more. Right. And at some point, I mean, I, 
I, I think it's interesting to listen to those folks because you know who knows there, there's some there's some really sensible information out there yeah yeah if you end up the, this year with the MVP at quarterback and you end up this year let's say top three in scoring offense and you end yep. up number one in offensive efficiency and you end up this year as the division champ mm-hmm. you know? can we stop arguing about how they're doing it and just freaking celebrate that they're doing it? Like, yeah. I just, yeah. it, it's like, I, I, you know, we won, but I wish we would have won by seven points instead of by four points. Who bleeping cares? Like, yeah. won. So I don't get that. I don't get that attitude, man. And, and again, I mean, I, I, I appreciate the passion for the Seahawks. I really do. I think it's awesome. And life would be boring if all of us just sat here and agreed with each other for sure. It's one of the reasons why we can do things like this because there is some disagreement obviously on all this stuff, but I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I just think the bitch and moan about how they're winning is insane. I mean, look, let's save our consternation for actual tangible things. Like how are we going to replace Will Disley? What's going on with this pass rush? How do you get that going? How do you spark Clowney? How do you spark Ansa? Is Jaron Reed really going to be the, the catalyst to maybe opening things up on the edge for these guys? Uh, what's going on with the linebacker play? You mentioned that earlier. I mean, as much as we love Bobby Wagner, I don't think Bobby Wagner has played great so far by his standards this year. The secondary certainly needs some help. Michael Dixon, to me, has been an absolute gigantic disappointment for this football team uh, after se- after six weeks. So I think that there are a lot of other issues to worry about. But, hey, you know what? Instead of bitching about how they're winning, why don't we just sit back and talk about how amazing it is that they are winning considering all those issues that we just talked about, right? I mean, Russell Wilson goes into Cleveland and he beats the Browns without his left tackle, without his right guard, without his number one target at tight end, and maybe his most reliable pass catcher in some ways outside of Tyler Lockett and Will Disley. They still find a way to win that game when they're down 20-6 to in the second damn quarter. Instead of complaining about how they're winning, we should be sitting here in awe of the fact that they are winning, considering how many freaking issues they still have. 100%. 100%. And and. I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but that game was pretty dang rare in Seahawks yeah. history. You yeah. know, the, you know, the last time the Seahawks won a game on the road where that were after the end of the first quarter, they were trailing by Ooh. eight points or more. I'd, I'd say probably nineties, right? It was 2007. So not, yeah. not any time in the Pete Carroll era. And there's only been eight such games now, including that one in the whole history of the franchise. So this <laughs> winning on the road, when you're losing after the first quarter, ain't easy. And they did it. Right. You know, and, and I think that you could argue they should have won by more than they did. Um, and they certainly at the end of the game, they kneeled at like the you know two yard line. So, right. Right. Um, you know, let's talk for one second before we start wrapping up here about Will Disley. Okay. Um, a lot of folks talking about whether there'll be a trade made. And I'm curious your point of view, because Pete Carroll, he's usually pretty coy about what's going on with the roster. But on the Wednesday press conference, they yeah. asked about the tight end position. They talked, yeah. he mentioned about Tyrone Swoops. And then he separately said, and we're working on something or working yeah. on something. And he had yeah. kind of a grin. I can't imagine that Swoops. So what, no. do you think, what do you think he means there? 
Well, I think they're working on making a deal, uh, obviously. Is it O.J. Howard from Tampa Bay? Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, the way he's played, has he has he lived up to the hype coming out of college? I mean, I saw him play for Alabama in person, and he was a freaking stud man with those guys. So I think the potential is still there for O.J. Howard. I mean, the difference between O.J. Howard in Tampa and O.J. Howard in, Ru- in Seattle is Russell Wilson. I mean, he's had Jameis Winston tossing him the football for the past three years. So I think it's 6'6", 250. I would love to see O.J. Howard in a Seahawks uniform. And look, this is why you have all those damn draft picks, right? This is why you make all those deals on draft day. And this is why you trade Nick Vanette to Pittsburgh and sign Luke Wilson so you can have extra draft capital, things like this. So I think the Hawks are in a great position to go after a guy like O.J. Howard uh, if the Buccaneers are willing to part with him for the right price. But, I mean, they've got to go out and find somebody. Look, as much as we love Luke Wilson, there's a reason why the guy was available three weeks ago on the street. As much as we love Ed Dixon and what he's done so far in the NFL, getting up there in age, and right now he's injury prone, and who knows what he's going to look like in a couple weeks when he comes off the injured reserve list. So I don't feel that great right now about the tight end room. I, I am absolutely crushed about Will Disley going down. The guy is going to miss 22 of his first 32 games in the NFL which is just sickening to me. It makes me want to vomit to think about how much time Will Disley is going to miss and will he ever be the same player that we saw uh, in the uh, in his rookie year in the first part of this year. He was turning into a freaking stud for this offense. He was, he was an amazing blocker, an amazing pass catcher, an amazing guy, and he was going right down the road, Brian, of looking like a guy that was going to definitely earn that second contract in Seattle. So that whole thing makes me sick. But, yeah, I mean – What's your reaction if you wake up tomorrow and the Seahawks announce they've acquired O.J. Howard from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? What's your reaction to that, honestly? I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. I, yeah. I think that, you know, he's a young enough player. There's some upside potential there. Yeah. I think there's – it always, always depends on capital. Um, you know, draft capital, yeah. you give up, obviously. But right. you know, there's a, a lot of interesting names. You've got guys like, you've got guys like Tyler Eifert um, on yep. the Bengals. You've got Delaney Walker out there. You've got um, – there's rumors that Austin Hooper may be available. He's on the last year of his deal from the Falcons, and the Falcons are, are not yeah. – a hard time believing they're going to let right. Hooper go. There's but, also rumors, by the way, too, that Austin Safarian Jenkins was in town the other day talking to the Seahawks. So, I'm not sure. interesting, too. I would not be surprised about that. And he might yeah. be he might be one of the better options, to be honest. Right. If you're not giving up anything to see how he is, I'd be yeah. supportive of that. So – Here's the thing, man. If the Seahawks don't get O.J. Howard, he's going to end up with the Patriots. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. The Patriots are going to find a way to get O.J. Howard. I'm looking at his numbers right now. He's never had more than 48 targets in a year. He's been banged up, obviously. He missed two games his rookie year, six games last year. So he's never really had that full season. But to see him play alongside Russell Wilson, to me, would be you want to get his potential. You want to kind of, you know, tap that and get everything you can out of him. He's 25 years old, obviously. So I'd love to see him playing alongside Russell, but I'm with you. I think all those names, they got to just give themselves more options right now at, at tight end. You know, I like Hollister. I'm glad he's here, but come on. He is what he is right again. Another guy who there's a reason why he was available. So I just think they got to find more options at tight end because, you know, inevitably somebody else is going to get hurt likely between now and the end of the year. So to maybe find some more depth and get a guy like an OJ Howard to get a guy like a Tyler Eifert, get a guy like an Austin Superior Jenkins, just keep kind of giving yourself more bullets in the gun, man. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. I, I think, I think you have to, because, I think you have to be really seriously looking to add another tight end. And and I don't know, I don't know to the extent that they feel Ed Dixon is going to come back. 
I mean, I yeah. have mixed signals from Pete about that. And if they feel strongly that he can, it's not urgent. I think they can go a couple of weeks without having a, another tight end. But yeah. um, if they're not sure, then they've got till October 29th to get another guy right. in the, from a trade perspective to get another guy yeah. in the room. So I think that makes sense. And look, uh, as we close up here, you know, you look at this game this weekend, you've got the best rush offense in the NFL. Yeah. Um, maybe one of the most dangerous offensive players, not maybe, definitely one of the most dangerous and unique offensive players in Lamar Jackson going against the best passing offense in the NFL um, yeah. by Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, both defenses have struggled. How do you feel about this game? And, and uh, specifically, how do you feel like your, how does your feelings change if the weather is bad? Yeah. Which, well, if the weather's bad, I think it favors Baltimore uh, on, yeah. on Sunday, right? Unfortunately, I mean, you think about, you know, local teams like the Seahawks and Huskies, and I think the Huskies, for example, would love for it to be raining on Saturday. I think the uh, Seahawks would love for it to be sunny on, 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 on Sunday because Baltimore is, I mean, look, we talk about the number one rushing team in the NFL, and it's easy to look at yards per game. They're averaging over 200 yards a game. I think only team in the NFL to be doing that, but they're also averaging five and a half yards a carry and they run the ball more than anybody. So if it's a, if, if it's a physical phone booth kind of grind it out soggy type of day on Sunday, I think that does favor Baltimore, but you know, look, I mean, I also think that this football team is, is maybe now more ready to, to take on a game like that from the offensive perspective. I mean, they, Chris Carson's coming on right now. The offensive line seems to be coming on right now. So I like the Seahawks at home, but I think you're still looking at, for the most part, kind of a toss-up game in this game on Sunday. They're bound at some point, Brian, to kick a game that they were supposed to win. Maybe the Saint game with Bridgewater was that game. Maybe they're better off and better prepared to win a game like this because they lost the game to the Saints a few weeks ago. But I just think Michael Robinson, <clears throat> sorry, what he said, with Cliff and Puck yesterday is right on with Lamar Jackson. I mean, uh, this guy gets outside the pocket and he's not the same kind of quarterback, right? He's, a, he's in some ways a better quarterback. I mean, you sit there and you make him a pocket passer, five, seven step drop and say, hey, read the opposing defense. That's not really his forte. So this is a big game for Clowney and Ansa and those linebackers to keep this guy contained, keep him in the pocket, get rid of that threat of the run and make him beat you with his arm inside the tackle box so i'm curious to see what kind of game plan they got for this guy yeah it, it's it's kind of interesting that we're all focused on the pass rush everybody yep. that's my favorite one of my favorite parts of any football game is watching they put sure. the just get destroyed yep and it's been really bad i mean the seahawks have had zero sacks in three of the past four games zero sacks and last game they had zero sacks and zero qb hits so <laughs> it's, it's really really bad yeah at the same time if you look at this game, it's really the Seahawks run defense that has been awful and no one's talking about it. And they're like 27th in the NFL or something around there in terms of, of the yards they're giving up per carry um, on the ground. And, and in this game, that's brutal. And, and the tackling has been awful. Michael Kendricks has been awful tackling this season. He's missed a ton of tackles. So if, if you tell me that it's going to rain and you've got a defense that has been struggling to, to stop the run, hopefully Jaron Reed can help there. But yeah. I think that's a big part of the season, if I could pick one thing to fix right now, it would be the run defense. Because if they can stop that, not just for this game, yeah. have some foundation of slowing down the run, I think that will also help the pass rush and set it up yeah. a little bit better. And the other thing here, Dave, is on the flip side, the Ravens, 
they have some their run defense can be elite at times it can also be bad it's it's struggled against the browns it's struggled in, in some other games again i think maybe the chiefs but um they've given up like 30 yards or less in three games this season something like yeah. that yeah yeah they can be dominant so if this gets into a game where the seahawks get pig-headed about running the ball it's raining and so they're struggling through the air and it's really a ground game on both sides I think that's a huge advantage for the ravens if that doesn't happen if it's if it's clear outside i think the seahawks are clearly the better team yeah yeah well, I mean, look, you're talking about a team that's 22nd in yards per attempt on uh, defense, rushing almost five yards a carry, 4.7 yards a carry. So that's got to be fixed. And that and that's not just about the front seven. That's about safety play, stopping the run as well. Those safeties have got to be better against the run starting this Sunday against Baltimore. But, you know, look, I mean, I, I hate doing stuff like this because you don't want to, you know, sit here and get all cocky and act like the Hawks are going to be guaranteed to win the game on Sunday. But this this Raven offense isn't what people think it is. I mean, they had the opener against the Dolphins and they scored 59 points ever since then, 23, 28 against the Kansas City Chiefs, whose defense up until last night was miserable and they were good because they played Flacco, by the way. 20, uh, excuse me, uh, 25 against the Browns, 26 against Pittsburgh and 23 against Cincinnati. Not that you'd expect them to score 59 points every game, but we th- I thought they were a juggernaut after they played the Dolphins. I thought Lamar Jackson was going to be an MVP candidate. I mean, my God, the Ravens are unstoppable, and they haven't come anywhere near close to that team that we saw in the opener against Miami. Hell, they struggled to beat the Cardinals in week two, for crying out loud, and then lost two games in a row to Kansas City and Cleveland. So I think they can be contained, but the problem is if you start allowing Lamar Jackson to get off through the air and you have to deal with Mark Ingram and you have to deal with his legs, that's a three-headed monster that I think not many teams in the NFL can slow down. So they got to be great at one thing for sure in this game on Sunday. And I'm with you. I'm hoping it's great stopping the run and they force that guy to beat him in the air. I got. I was going to wrap there, but you, you, hit, you hit a couple things I got to talk to. So okay. how many times – you just went through it. Since week two, how many times have the Ravens scored more than 27 points in a game? How many times since week two have they scored more than 27? Just one time, and that was against Kansas City. And we talked about earlier, the Seahawks have scored 27 or more points in every game. since. Right. Week. Yeah. So I think that, that that right there tells you a lot about where these two offenses are. And it's part of why in my, in my Tale of the Tape article I wrote on Wednesday this week, I actually broke down the rankings of both teams on offense and defense since week two. Because I think the week one game for both teams was an outlier. Right. And the Ravens, I mean, they're still a very good offense, but they are not. When you take away 59 points and 600-plus yards, oh. one, it's a really different picture. Of so, course. You know, that's, that's going to be an interesting piece. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm looking forward to this game. I'm, I'm confident going in. I will say the Seahawks have not played well at home yet this year. Even yeah. the Rams game, that game started out, and they were, you know – that's it was okay but I mean it took a while and they were looking pretty poor for for a lot of that game so right it would be nice for the Seahawks to show the home crowd um a solid complete effort Um, talk about slow starts on the road it would be nice not to have one at home so yep all right Dave um anything else before we wrap up here go dogs beat the ducks all right dude yeah, my dad's gonna be at that game. He's uh he's looking forward to going with a buddy. So yeah, but he's an Oregon fan though. No, I no. thought he was. I think he's actually a Huskies fan. My my my, uh, my sister works at UW. She's a professor. Ah, 
All right, then you have to root for the Huskies. And if you if your sister's livelihood depends on Washington, then you have to root for the Huskies. That's the rule. That's true. It's true. Hey, man. Oh, well, thank you, everybody. And if you haven't already, please join up at patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Um, we're doing a great thing this weekend with uh, some of our Ring of Honor uh, members um, who I'm going to pay for all their food and drink for pregame. They show up and party with uh, the rest of the Hawkblogger crew. Uh, we, uh, we're going to have table Thanos, Josh, you know, uh, will Nathan, uh, Jeff's coming in from Toronto. So the whole crew pretty much other than Evan's going to be there and we have a good time. So hope to see folks there. You can join up at patreon.com slash hawkblogger. And, uh, if not subscribe on YouTube, subscribe, follow on Twitter, on Facebook, leave a review. Any of those things are great and appreciated. And, uh, as always go, yeah. unless you have something negative to say, then don't do it. Yeah. yeah leave those tell us if you have something negative come to us and then we'll help you fix it and then you can leave a review after so yeah go hawks <laughs>